You are listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast, where each guest shares actionable, practical ideas with you on how to get more clients, expand your reach, and grow your law firm's revenue and profit. Here's your host, Sasha Burson. Welcome to Grow Law Firm Podcast. I have an amazing guest with me here today. Moshe Amsel is the founder and CEO of Profit with Law is an organization that helps law firm owners achieve their maximum potential and create in the process, create generational wealth, which I know is one of your favorite topics. And I got to say, as many guests as I've had on this podcast, no one has ever spoken about such an important subject as generational wealth. Aside from this, aside from this, you've been, you own an accounting firm. I believe it's called Dream Builder Financial which is such a suitable name for somebody who helps other people achieve generational wealth. You have been on number of mainstream media shows like CBS, NBC, Fox, and so many others. And you have built all this while raising a family with six children. Masha, welcome to the show. Yeah. So um, September 28th, Jamie and I had a son. Um, it is now seven children. We have to update the bio. Okay. Um, but thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, and I'm excited to be here and, and talk about whatever, uh, our, our conversation gets to, uh, but I'm really passionate about generational wealth. And I know that, uh, people who don't know who I am are probably wondering like, okay, what's, what's this guy's deal? Um, and I want to I want to give that generational wealth a little bit of of color. So my grandfather came from Nazi Germany. He was 11 years old. Uh, his father was an orange merchant, so he was very well connected with uh, people in the embassy and was able to acquire documents for his family to be able to get out of the country. And um, his sister uh, contracted pneumonia right before they were supposed to leave. And he had twin siblings uh, and and his mom and and his mother stayed with the twins because uh, his sister sister was hospitalized. Uh, And they missed that journey, that boat that they were going out on. I think they went via Italy, uh, then to Israel. Um, But he never saw his his twin siblings or his mother again. Uh, They ended up dying in in Auschwitz and um, in a concentration camp. And his father, uh, as a businessman, had taken all of his whatever money he had and converted it into diamonds and had sent it to the United States to a cousin uh, in advance of knowing that he was fleeing the country. Uh, They were in Israel for a while, and then they from there they went to to the United States and uh, settled in Washington Heights in in New York, in New York City. Uh, And my great-grandfather started a um, diamond business with the diamonds that he had sent. Uh, So basically just started buying and selling diamonds. Uh, His son, my grandfather, uh, joined the business when he was old enough um, and was always a respectable business person, had, you know, ethics and people loved dealing with him. Uh, And he created, he created a living for himself, but he also, you know, he threw off some extra wealth Uh, some extra cash from his business. And what he did was he got together with four of his cousins and they bought an apartment building on the west side of Manhattan. And they 
probably didn't know how good of a decision they were making at the time. Uh, but that investment uh, created rental income for him and his cousins uh, over, you know, over the course of time. Um, but when I was a young adult, uh, I was probably 15, 16, 17 years old, he started selling off the individual units. They were turning it into a co-op and they started to sell off one apartment at a time. Um, and that created a lot of cash flow that was coming in from this investment. And my grandfather decided that he was going to gift each of his 36 grandchildren with the down payment on their first home purchase. So I started I started out my life really young. I, you know, I have seven kids. I'm 44 years old. I was 19 when my oldest was born. Um, and I was 21 when I bought a home. Now, there's not many 21-year-olds out there that can purchase a house, and I would not have been able to do it if not for having gotten that gift from my grandfather. And it's really not that big of, that big of a gift, right? It's like whatever it was, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. But that little amount of money that he was able to give to me, and he was able to give it to 36 grandchildren, so it, it is a lot. But for me, it wasn't, it wasn't a lot, but it was everything. And it allowed me to start my wealth journey, you know, here in America, the, the way, the, the way to, the way to acquiring wealth is, is through your, you know, first owning a home. And then when you, once you do that, then you, you have other things that you can do, but all of our cash is tied up in being able to make that purchase. Me being able to make that purchase at 21 really propelled my own financial journey. Um, and when I sat down 10 years later and decided that I was leaving the IT industry and I wanted to do something that I was really passionate about, I said, you know, what impact do I want to have on the world? And I said, I want to create the ability for people to be able to create the experience for their grandchildren that I received from my grandfather. You know, that gift that I received from him was so incredible, so impactful that I want to help other people do that. What a remarkable story. Let me reverse engineer this history a little bit. So if your grandfather got out of Nazi Germany when he was 11, that means that he was born approximately 95 to 100 years ago. And here you are talking about the deeds that he has done for his 36 grandchildren and how his impact impacted not just you, but the people who you now serve, and I know that through your teachings, through your consulting and through your services, you have helped thousands of law firm owners propel themselves toward not just financial independence, not just better business, but actually building, building that generational wealth, which is, I have a lot of stories about my, uh, my grandfathers. Both of them were raised before the great Russian October Revolution, both of them were poor and both of them died poor. They never got out of Soviet Union. Actually, that's not true. My, uh, my maternal grandfather made it to Israel, but in late years, in his late 80s, and he was only alive there for a couple of years. So but that is just an absolutely remarkable story. How do you, with profit with law, how do you help law firm owners build that generational wealth. Again, something that most people, even financial advisors, 
never talk about. The most that I ever hear financial advisors talk about is retirement planning. Never generational yeah. wealth. Never. Yeah, it's very it's it's very interesting, but it's really just a mindset shift, right? Because ultimately, what I do is is I help business owners with this process. I, I think anybody can create generational wealth, but it it becomes very difficult for somebody who works for a paycheck to do because you're only you only have so much extra. Like even if you're earning a good living, you only have so much extra at the end of the day, and you have to make some really good decisions with it. A business owner is in a unique position because the business can throw off a lot of cash. And if you do it right, and that's really the focus, like 80% of my time is spent helping business owners figure out how to unlock the most profitability from their business, which I believe a healthy business should be somewhere in the 40 to 50% profit margin area. And business owners who really know their numbers will look at me like I have two heads, but I I know it's doable. I know it's doable not, for not everybody profit. out there. Net profit, What's... profit, yeah. Net, net profit, not gross yeah. profit, but net profit net after profit. expenses, pretext. Net profit after expenses, correct, correct. Um, and when when you actually look at the numbers, if you're earning a forty percent profit margin on your income, really fifteen percent of that 40%, like 15% of your revenue is going to be going to taxes. So you're only getting 25%. But if you have a million dollar business, that 25% is $250,000 of income to you. Nothing to write home about, but you grow that business to three, 4 million. Now you're taking home a million dollars after tax, after tax. And when you're in that position where you've you've now built it to the point where you have a, that healthy business that's throwing off that level of cash you can make some critical decisions that can completely alter the, the difference of your entire family tree and it all comes down to having your eye on the prize so much of what we do as business owners is set a goal and then strive to achieve it and in our personal financial lives it's the same thing if I don't set a goal of having $10 million when I die so that I can leave this legacy to my grandchildren, if that's not my goal, and not everybody wants to do that, by the way, generational wealth doesn't have to be your own grandchildren. It could be philanthropic. It could be, you know, it doesn't, it, it just means that I'm not of the belief that I'm just going to live my best life. And when I die, whatever's left can go wherever it goes. And I don't care. I care about where it goes and I want to make a difference beyond myself. Um, to do that requires that you have your goal is to have that later. And in order to do that, it, it requires you to make different decisions today. So instead of buying a Maserati and a Lamborghini, I might invest in some real estate. I might invest in some, you know, in, in the stock market, or I might say the stock market's not good enough. I'm going to look for some alternative investment vehicles to, to get there, or I might get really good at being an options trader and make money that way. There's so many different ways to take money that you already have and make more of it. And there's more risky ways to do it, less risky ways to do it. Really real estate is like the, the, the best um, as far as uh, being the most tax um, friendly uh, form of investing and also the most uh, predictable 
growth over time. But there's so many options out there. But if you don't know that you want it, you're not going to go after it. And you'll squander what you have. It's not going to be a waste. You'll live your best life, but you won't you won't have that extra to show at the end. Very interesting. I don't think most people think about what it is that they want to leave behind until it's too late. Like I think this is something that most people start pondering upon in their retirement years when creating that legacy, financial legacy, because you can have a lot of impact without having the finances. But financial legacy is it's too late to build in your retirement years for most people. There are, I'm sure there are exceptions. Most people don't think about leaving $10 million behind, whether for their grandchildren, children, or philanthropic donations. But I think where most people are probably stuck as they listen to you, and you work probably with more law firm owners than I have, so correct me if I'm wrong. From what I have seen, from having hundreds of conversations, one-on-one conversations with law firm owners, overwhelming majority of law firm owners are operating businesses between $500,000, maybe $700,000, $800,000 in gross revenue. Making the leap from half a million to three, four million is inconceivable for so many. And this is where most people are probably like, this guy's talking about creating a wealth of $10 million that I would leave behind. Yet here, if I'm operating a $500,000 business, I'm like getting by. So in your experience, having worked with so many law firm owners over so many years, how do most of them make that jump from very typical sub one million dollar operation to something that could be incredibly profitable, which is that three, four, five million dollar range. You know, I love I love this question, and and you you ask it in such an articulate manner, and I, I you know I, I just I really appreciate the way that you approach this question, and I'm going to give you the answer in a moment, but I just want to share one thing. You mentioned at the beginning of the question, you said like most people are not thinking about what they want to leave at the end. Um, there's a book called Living Forward by Michael Hyatt and Daniel Harkavy. And I gift this book to every one of my elite coaching clients when they become uh, a member of, of our coaching organization. And it is a very short, easy to read book. But if you do the exercises in the book, it will actually take you much longer. The idea and the premise of the book is that there are multiple domains in life. You have relationships, you have a relationship with your spouse, you have a relationship with your children, you have a relationship with other people. Um, you have your business, you have your job, you have, you know, there, there's so many different, you have your own, your own well-being, right? Uh, your physical well-being, your emotional well-being, each of those is a domain. And you're only going to excel at the domains that you are purposeful and, and put an effort into. Um, and it goes through this 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 concept of if you don't do anything then you just you're just drifting right and um and if you're just drifting you're just going to go wherever the tide takes you and that's how people end up 20 years 30 years later and like how did i get here because you were just drifting you were just going through the motions every day and this is the key when i'm working with my clients is that if you're not purposeful in your growth you're just going to the the typical law firm owner just assumes that if i grew by 3% or 4% year over year i've done well the reality is is that 
you should be thinking of growing by 100 or 200%. And that can be done. I'm going to answer your question in a moment of how easy it is. Um, but it doesn't happen until you recognize that I need to stop drifting and I need to start purposefully living. Um, one of the, the exercises in this book is to write your own eulogy. It is so powerful to sit down and really think about what do I want people to say about me when I'm not here to talk about myself anymore. And when you start to really think about that and you start to think about what do I want to be known for? What, 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 what is the thing or, or multiple things that I want people to talk about? It changes, it changes everything about what we do. Uh, so I, I strongly encourage your listeners to go pick that book up and, and read it and go through the exercises because it can really impact how you go about doing what you do. To answer your question, the difference between a lawyer who is bringing in 500000 in revenue and a lawyer that's bringing in $4 million is four attorneys. Every attorney is a million in revenue. It's that simple. Hire four attorneys, you'll have a $4 million law firm. And I know that it's dumbing it down tremendously, especially coming from somebody who helps attorneys bring in business, right? There's, you have to be able to navigate everything around that. But the reality is, is that when 95% of law firm owners that started their own law firm started the law firm with the thought, I'm an attorney, I'm going to start a law firm and I'm going to perform legal services. The reality is that a business owner doesn't approach their business that way. If I were to go to the state of Arizona where a non-attorney can own a law firm and open a law firm, what would be the first hire I would make? I'd hire an attorney because I can't perform legal services without an attorney on staff. The fact that you think of yourself as an attorney and you spend time performing legal services is shortchanging the ability that you have as a law firm owner. Because as long as you stay stuck in that mode of I'm going to perform legal services, you're trying to do everything yourself. And you get to that point where like, oh, I'm overworked, and I'm, but I'm not earning enough to bring on another person. And you get stuck in this mode that you're never going to get out of until you're ready to invest in your business beyond what you think the business can, can, can withstand. You have to hire that attorney when you're not ready for it, preferably when you open your doors. When you first start your law firm is the right time to hire an attorney, not when you're busy enough that you can't do any more work. Because and and I know you like to throw the Clio legal trends reports around. I'm gonna add. I'm gonna add to that. The 2019 Clio trends report talked about a solo attorney working full time in their business. They bill 2.2 hours a day, and they collect 1.8 hours a day. If you hire an attorney on staff and all they're doing is legal work, how many hours can they bill? Forget the collections for a second. How many hours can they bill? I would argue without working them to the bone and being a humane uh, boss, they, they should be expected to earn at least six hours a day of legal fees. That means that by hiring an attorney, you immediately tripled, tripled the potential for your firm 
over what you personally could do because you're trying to do it all. An attorney should bring in somewhere between 600000 and $1.5 million, no matter the practice area of revenue into a firm. Four attorneys, $4 million. That's it. These are incredibly counterintuitive thoughts to how most law firm owners think and how they operate throughout most of their careers if not all of their careers. And I have seen this time and time and time and again, and I think that's what keeps most lawyers relatively poor, not poor, but relatively poor, and never, ever unlocking their law firm's full potential, which is the slogan of your firm. Unlock your law firm's full potential, correct? Correct. And I challenge everyone to follow this. Your small business, it can continue to be small, but when it's $500,000 in revenue and when it's $4 million in revenue, the outcome is completely different. I love this word that you said, drifting. I always think about majority of business owners, not just law firm owners, but majority of business owners are specialists in their trade. And when they start their journey as business owners, that is the day they typically start drifting and the drift is called making a living i just want to get to the point where my lifestyle is good enough without a struggle and once i reach that i am usually in my mid to late 40s and i'm usually pretty tired and my ambitions are already diminished to the point where it's just like good enough just good enough no generational wealth. It's just good enough. And I can tell you, as a seasoned business owner and operator, I have always strived for higher achievement, but I have been stuck drifting. And I've owned four businesses now, including this one. I have been stuck drifting in different positions, sometimes for years too long while trying to get out of them, but not hiring replacements fast enough. And that includes my very current business where I was doing performing one responsibility for over five years, which I knew I should have fired myself from after year one. And that would have made our business grow significantly faster and make it a lot more profitable. How does one get out of this mindset that most people, and we are, I love this quote from Jim Rohn, we become the average of five people we most closely associate with. When you go to lawyers' networking events and conferences, everyone who surrounds you, or most people who surround you, except for those who are up on the stage, are operating those $500,000, $800,000 businesses. So you're the average of that five. How do you get out of that mindset? Well, you kind of led the question with me begging me to say, just you know, hang out with $4 million you know, revenue or plus, you know, attorneys. But the reality is, is um, you have to recognize that what, what worked to get you here, what got you here won't get you there. What worked to get you to, to where you are now is not the thing that's going to get you to the next level. And that probably requires you to get some help. You know, people... If somebody is in a in a 
marriage that's struggling, right? Um, they, they just know that there's, you know, they lost the, the, the spark and they're trying to get it back. We're so resistant to going and meeting with a therapist to help. But the truth is, is that you go to therapy for 12 weeks with your spouse and you're, it's a completely different situation, right? You gotta, you gotta get somebody in your corner who's going to help you elevate. I mean, look at any professional athlete, look at any CEO of a fortune 500 company. They all have coaches. They all have people who are there to help them bring out the best version of themselves and to always push them to that next step, to always push them to that next level. It's what I do. So of course I'm going to pitch myself, right? But I, I'm a business coach. I help businesses get past this. Um, so your, maybe your underlying question is, is how do I help businesses get past this? So we can dive into that. But the reality is, is that 95% of the people who are in that range, uh, and, and you, you basically just, you've, you've added staff, you, you've, you've created systems and processes, you've, you've done all the things, but you haven't, you haven't overcome that next level because you haven't hired another attorney. Uh, or if you did and you're not achieving that level, then there's other issues. Um, it's because you're not, you're not thinking big enough or you're not willing to take risk enough. And it starts with having somebody help you figure that out. I recently did an exercise with my elite coaching clients and I called it, when is it time to hire an attorney? When are you ready to hire an attorney? Or should I hire an attorney, right? We did a two hour call and we pulled out a spreadsheet and we literally put side by side, what does your business do now? What's your max capacity in your current form of business? And what does your business look like if you have an attorney on staff? And we use real assumptions, real numbers. And we and what's crazy is one of the things that, that people push back with is, how do I know if I'm going to be able to fill that attorney's plate, right? If I believe that an attorney can bring in a million dollars a year and we can run the math to prove that that's, that that's perfectly viable in any, um, in any practice area. But let's just say, let's even use the lower end. Let's use 600,000. If an attorney is able to bring in 600,000 of revenue into the business, that's $50,000 a month. What, what do you think it would cost to bring in enough clients to fill an attorney who's $600,000 a, a year, right? Or $50,000 a month. What would it cost to fill their plate? Well, let's think if our average client is $5,000, that's 10 clients. So if I need to bring in 10 clients a month, I probably need to have 20 sales consults. I probably need to have a hundred leads, right? What would it cost me to bring in a hundred leads? I can tell you as a marketer, you're going to invest you, between 10 and 25% of that $50,000 to generate right. the business. That's it. So I, so, so I would push back on Sasha. I, I, I'm a firm believer that your marketing should be a lower percentage, but even if we said 10%, right? 10% of 50,000 is 5,000. Are you spending $5,000 a month on marketing right now? Let's take 15%, $7,500 a month. And that's the, the bare minimum. That's the bare minimum to 
fill the, the, the plate. And, and it's the bare minimum of revenue I would expect from an attorney. I really, really believe that an attorney at a minimum should be bringing a million dollars to your firm. So at a million dollars, that 10% suddenly becomes $10,000 a, a, a month, right? Or eight eighty five hundred, right? 83,000 and change is a million dollars a year uh, per month. So when you start to think about what the future looks like, instead of, so, so many business owners make their decisions based on the past, right? I'm I'm at five hundred thousand in revenue. There's no way I could bring on a hundred thousand dollar a year attorney. But we're doing that based on where we're at. We're not doing it based on what that attorney creates. So when you start to look at the possibility and you put it side by side, all of a sudden you can see the contrast between a five hundred thousand dollar business and a one point five million dollar business. And now you can see that there's actually money there to spend on the marketing. There's money there to spend on another paralegal or a legal assistant because that unlocks a whole pool of potential expenses that you now can spend on because of that revenue stream. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? At the end of the day, when it comes to growing your business, the investment will always precede the outcome. You have to believe in the outcome in order to make the investment. When you make the investment, that is when the outcome will come. The reason so many people stay stuck is because they're unwilling to invest because they're unable to see the future. They're unable to have the vision required. And my job as a coach is to help them see it. I sit there and I work with spreadsheets and numbers and I show them this is possible. And then. I have to give them the kick in the pants to actually go and do something about it. Makes so much sense. And I think you started off by saying, surround yourself with those lawyers who own $4 million law firms. They will tell you that one day they were at $500,000. They took a leap of faith, they invested, and they advanced. And then they invested more and they advanced. And then they invested more and they advanced. It's so simple, yet so few do it. And then of those who do it, I assume that there is a decent percentage of people who join masterminds, but don't do the work. Because just joining a mastermind doesn't really do anything. For example, I love it that you brought up the idea from the book titled Living Forward to write your own eulogy, write it forward, hopefully decades ahead of time. I've heard this idea numerous times. I always thought it was a fascinating idea. Never have I ever written my own eulogy. Now I have it in my notes to write a eulogy for myself <laughs> and do it this week. We're still like we're recording this January 4th of 2024. The year is young. I did all of my planning for the year back in December. But now I'm like one more thing. This week, before this week's end, like I'm going to write, write out my own eulogy. But most people, again, like we know what to do, but we don't do it. How do you get people in your mastermind, in your coaching groups, how do you get them to move from I'm learning to I am doing and I'm actually getting things done? I can't compel anybody to do anything. If I was able to, 
um, I'd probably have a significantly bigger following than I do. The reality is um, all I can do is to try to get somebody to really see what's possible for them to understand what not doing that is costing. It's a combination of being able to see what's possible and also feeling the pain of the fact that I'm not achieving that right now. And if you can really believe, and the proof is all around us, right? Like you don't need to go very far to find a law firm that has four attorneys in the office. You don't need to go very far to find a law firm owner that is more successful than you. Look at that person and say, if only I was that, right? The reality is, is you probably have some years behind you. And had you made some decisions three or four years ago, that could have been you right now. You need to feel that pain. Um, there's, there's a story of, uh, you know, a, a man walks up to, to a house and there's a dog sitting on the, on the deck in the front. And there's a the older gentleman in a rocking chair sitting there and the dog is whimpering and whimpering, whimpering. And he looks at him and he says, why is your dog whimpering? He says, oh, he's sitting on a nail. He says, well, why is he sitting on the nail? Why doesn't he move? He says, when it hurts him enough, he'll move. That's, that's what I'm dealing with every day. That is what is going on with business owners. And that is until the pain is great enough, you're not going to do anything about it. And all, all I can do is try to come at it from different angles and different ways of demonstrating to you that you're in pain. You may not know it, but somehow we got to figure out how to unlock that. Now, some people aren't. I mean, if you're like, you're, you're working every day to pay the monthly payments on the credit cards you've racked up and you're like drowning and you're afraid of bankruptcy being the next step, like the pain is so, so great that you're going to do something about it. You could be in that situation. And yes, that's a great motivator, but why do you want to get there? Why do you want to have to be in that level of discomfort in order to get off the nail? So really it's a matter of, and it, on, at the end of the day, I hate to, I hate to just say it's mindset, but it, that's what it is. It's simply deciding that you, there's more in this for you than what you're doing right now. And you, and you're going to do what it takes to achieve that. And if it requires some motivation, Great, let's get you some motivation. But the reality is, is that if I told you that give me a room full of attorneys and the ones who listen to me will be earning $250,000 after taxes by the end of 12 months and at a minimum, and the ones who don't listen to me are going to be exactly the same, if not worse than they were before. You get to believe whether it's true or not, but you get to also try it for 12 months and see if it works for you. Um, and, you know, and, and that's really, there, there isn't an easy answer to your question, but the easy answer is, is that you need to be willing to take on a level of risk. And that only way to take on that level of risk is if you have a belief that it's going to work and the belief, the, the belief can come from all the proof around you. Um, or just from you being willing to try something that carries some risk. The funny thing is that everybody puts risk 
they they amplify the risk way more than it really is. I'll give you I'll give you two examples. The two biggest things that that business owners need to invest in is people and marketing. Those are the, that's the foundation, right? Everything else is ancillary. The rent, the technology, the you know all that stuff. Even in the age of AI, that's that that's not the that's not the stuff that's going to drive your business. Getting clients, marketing is going to bring clients in the door. Serving the clients is the people, right? Those two pieces. So how do you grow your business? You invest in marketing and you invest in people. But we approach it, we say, oh, an attorney is going to cost me $100,000, $120,000 a year. That's $10,000 a month, $120,000. I have to be able to withstand $120,000 expense. Marketing is going to cost me another Five to ten thousand dollars a month, so that's going to be sixty to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. I need to have two hundred fifty thousand dollars in the bank if I want to hire an attorney and invest in marketing. But the reality is, is it's not going to take you twelve months for those two things to pan out and start to produce revenue for your business. I would argue that an attorney who comes in your door, if he's not covering his salary after six weeks, there's something wrong. Even, even if you don't have any new business coming in, give him all your work. Let the attorney do all your work. And now, all of a sudden, you have all the time in the world to go and sell. Completely changes the dynamic, right? But an attorney comes in, he's costing you, he or she are costing you at a maximum $10,000 a month. Within six weeks, they should be bringing in $10,000 a month in revenue into your business. Because that's only one sixth of the bare minimum that they should be producing for you. Break it down into hours. They should be able to produce $10,000 a month in like eight hours a week. What are they doing with the other 32 hours? Marketing, same thing. Yes, there are going to be some marketing efforts that are going to take time to pan out. SEO is going to take time to pan out. PPC is going to take time to figure out exactly the right formula, but the phone should be ringing as you start investing. When you start putting money into LSAs, you start putting money into PPC, you start putting money into billboards, whatever it is, it starts to produce results. It doesn't, it starts as a trickle. It'll turn into a flow, but you're not shelling out $10,000 a month, month in, month out for 12 months without a result. Hopefully. That all starts to get handled by the attorney you hired. And that's where the beauty is. So instead of looking at it saying, oh my gosh, I need $250,000 to make this happen. What if it's only 90 days? Yeah. What if it's only six months? What if it's a combination of the two? What if it's 90 days, you have to carry all of it. And then for 90 days, you have to carry half of it. Now do the math. Now... Okay, your risk is $50,000. Is it worth risking $50,000 to unlock $250,000 of take-home pay for you? That's the question you should be asking yourself. So many of us, many business leaders, do not even consider themselves business leaders need that kick in the pants, as you said. And there's a story that you reminded me of. 
approximately 3,337 or 38 or 39 years ago, there was a name, there was a man named Moshe or Moses who was walking through the desert and saw a burning bush. So he walked up to the burning bush and God started speaking to him and he said, you shall lead your people, Jewish people, out of slavery. And Moshe was resistant. Me? Lead? Nah, take my brother, Aaron. He is the speaker. He is the leader. Let him lead. And God had to give him a kick in the pants to convince him to lead his people out of slavery, out of bondage. Took that conversation, as far as we know, from the Old Testament. It took a while. It took a lot of conviction. But Moses, or Moshe, did lead his people out of slavery. And for the last 3,335 years now, we know his name because he took action, although he required some conviction, some convincing rather, to get to the point of conviction. What Moshe here is telling you is absolutely true, but you have to have faith. And many people, from my experience, will start talking about bigger competitors, competitors who have been there for longer than they have. How are they going to overcome all these challenges? And I got to tell you, to that, all of them started from zero. All of them had that small business. But once they started competing, once they really started putting their firm out there through marketing, the number of competitors that they actually competed against got reduced to 5 to 10%. Because that's about the number of law firm owners that actually put forth the effort, who are convinced enough that the status quo is unacceptable, and they start investing into their growth, and thus get to the 3, 4, 5, 10, some of them 100 million, some of them are named John Morgan, and they get to a billion, but John Morgan started at zero. So have you. Follow what this Moshe just told you. Follow the advice. Have some faith. Start investing. It will produce results. At first, it will be a trickle. Then it will be a flow. Moshe, we got to wrap up. I got to ask you one personal question. Aside from helping other people create generational wealth, what else is in your eulogy? <laughs> um, so my... My eulogy contains that I helped people in all walks of life, in all t in all ways, in all types. Um, so the, you, you, I don't even know if you know this about me, but I'm a paramedic in the local community. I did not know that. Um, and uh, it's it's something that if it paid better, I probably would have had it as a career choice earlier in life. But um, unfortunately, they don't get paid very well. But it's something I love doing, and it really speaks to really everything that I do, which is um, that I just want to help people. I want to help them um, live their best life, stay out of crisis, navigate challenges, um, and it's just one of the the things that I do. Uh, the other, another thing is that I was a loving person, not just to my family, but to to everybody, and I really try to see the best in every individual that I encounter. Um, but I've got a wife and I've got seven children and I now have three son-in-laws. Um, and you know, that, 
will continue to evolve as you know as as life continues um but loving everybody and and really uh finding ways to to display that um is, is what i want to be known for yeah fascinating thank you for sharing this now one last thing I have been following your podcast for quite some time. What I really like about your podcast, which is named as your organization Profit with Law, is that it's very multifaceted. You have the breadth and depth of knowledge. So for anybody who is not ready to hire you and your organization for coaching, but who wants to understand better how to build a better more profitable law firm. I definitely recommend that they check out your podcast. Is there any other way that you want people to connect with you or with your content to learn more and understand, maybe get that kick in the pants to start actually moving in the right direction? Um, sure. So, uh, and thank you for the opportunity to to be able to to share this with your audience and for the shameless plug that you just gave me for Profit With Law. I really appreciate any of our because, listeners. Because, come. because that's, that's the truth. Like if I didn't listen to your content, I wouldn't said that, but wouldn't have said that, but I listened and I watched and I know how good it is. I appreciate that. Um, we re recently launched a YouTube channel uh, in March of 2023. Um, so we not only have our podcast on that channel, but we also, I, I recorded a year's worth of video. I went down to Miami and, and, and got an Airbnb and shot 46 or 47 videos with a professional uh, crew. Um, so we got some really good stuff there, but more importantly, I created a formula, the law firm growth formula uh, for law firms to use in growing their firm. And the main components of that formula are plan, grow and scale. And what my team has done is they've broken up the videos into the categories of those three pieces of the formula. So if you're in the planning phase, there's a bunch of videos that are in the planning playlist that you can watch. Um, that are it makes it easier to find the content that you need. Uh, if you're in, if you're in the grow phase, um, then you could just go in and, and watch the the videos that are related to grow. So go check out the the, the YouTube channel, which is also Profit with Law. Um, the last thing is is and and this is an offer for anybody who wants to take advantage of it. If you go to our website and you go to the Work with Us section. Uh, you can book a 15 minute call with my team. It is not a sales call. What my team will do is they'll find out more about your firm, where you're at, what your challenges are, and then they will give you a bunch of free resources that will help you with your current challenge. Yes, they'll probably want to book a second call and probably want to pitch some services that we have to offer, but we never sell on that first call. And we always want to give you um, free first. And, you know, so book that 15 minute call and we'll give you the, we have 400 plus episodes in our podcast. You're not going to find exactly what you're looking for, but we know what we've got there. And if we know that you have a specific challenge, we could point you to the exact conversation that might help you get past it. Um, so I invite you to come and, and spend 15 minutes with my team uh, and, and let us help you. And that website is profitwithlaw.com if I remember. Correct. Correct. Marsha, you're an amazing guest. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, Sasha. I appreciate you having me. And um, folks, if you haven't given a rating and review to this podcast, what are you waiting for? Got to go and, and give it a rating. Uh, Sasha is an amazing host and really articulate. I really love having conversations with him. So uh, I'm sure that you appreciate having him in your ears. Uh, by doing that, by putting a rating and review, you're helping other people decide to give it a listen as well. Thanks for listening to the Grow Law Firm podcast. If you liked the ideas shared in this episode, help a fellow lawyer out by sharing a link to the episode. This episode is powered by the team of experts in client attraction, growlawfirm.com. Do you want a complimentary growth plan for your law firm? Request it at growlawfirm.com slash blueprint.